Welcome to Council 4 Unplugged. This is the podcast of our AFSCME Council 4 Union. We are proud to represent 30,000 workers across the great state of Connecticut. And our guest today is Emily Byrne. Emily is the Executive Director of Connecticut Voices for Children, also and perhaps better known as Connecticut Voices. Connecticut Voices conducts research and analysis on challenges facing uh, our state's children and families and the including and not limited to issues around education, health, housing, family, economic security, as well as tax and budget policy. And I have to tell you that the the research Connecticut Voices generates and the advocacy they do helps advance policy that has improved um, the well-being of Connecticut's children and families, specifically those who have been historically disadvantaged. So uh, Connecticut Voices, uh, based in New Haven, is just doing some really great work. So Emily, thanks for joining us. And I'm going to throw it over and introduce my colleague, Renee Hamill at Council 4. And um, Renee, take it away. Thanks, Larry. And thanks again, Emily, for joining us today. Uh, Connecticut is one of the richest states in the nation. It also leads in income inequality, leaving the poorest residents to deal with education gaps, health disparities, unattainable home ownership, and other hardships. According to your research from Connecticut Voices, Connecticut has the third most regressive tax system in the country, and that means that poorest families in our state pay more in taxes than the wealthiest families. Um, How does our tax system in Connecticut exacerbate this economic inequality that we have? Mm. Uh, First, thank you so much, uh, Renee and Larry, for having me on Council 4 Unplugged. Uh, It really is wonderful to be with you this afternoon. Um, You know, to answer the question, I think we need to start with some definitions. Um, Most people know um, the definition of income, which is the flow of money that a person or family receives over a given period of time, Um, right? Income allows us to pay for things, to live and thrive. And so for those reasons and more, it's a pretty ubiquitous term. I think less people know the definition of wealth, which is uh, the stock of accumulating assets. Um, wealth is especially top of mind for folks during the pandemic because it's what's allowed some families to endure the financial shock from having lost a job or unexpected medical expenses. Um, you know, beyond the context of the pandemic, wealth also provides a considerable head start in life for some children. For example, it allows some families to pay for their children's college with little or no loans and It allows some families to help their children make a down payment for a first home, which in turn helps them begin to generate their own wealth. Um, At Connecticut Voices for Children, we're focused on tax reform because uh, it impacts income and wealth. Um, In Connecticut, income and wealth inequality is the greatest it's been since the 1980s. The top 1% in the state who are making roughly $3 million a year have on average a pre-tax income of about 41 times greater than the median household in Connecticut who are making roughly $76,000 a year. When we we break down the data for households of color, we find that the disparity is even worse. Um, The median black household in Connecticut has a pre-tax income of less than $48,000 a year, and the median Hispanic household in Connecticut has a pre-tax income of less than $46,000 a year. So said another way, it would take people of color between 65 and 68 years to earn what the top 1% make in a single year. The wealth disparities are even worse. 
the number of households with zero or negative net worth, meaning those with no financial cushion to help them weather this or any other financial crisis, is more than 21% in Connecticut. For Black households, it's more than 34% and uh, more than 51% of Latino households in Connecticut have zero or negative net worth. And I know I'm saying a lot of numbers, um, but hang in there with me because uh, our focus on tax reform is because Connecticut has chosen a regressive tax system. So um, we're getting to the point. Um, most of us know that we're taxed, right, at a local, state, and federal level. Um, it's how the government generates revenue for essential public goods and services. In Connecticut, our combination of taxes is regressive, uh, which ultimately means the state makes it harder for working and middle-class families to, to accumulate and save money. So here are some facts. Um, residents making less than $53,000 annually, uh, defined by the state as the working class, paid approximately 23.6% of their income in taxes. Residents making between $53,000 and $203,000 annually, defined by the state as the middle class, paid approximately 13.3% of their income in taxes. Wow. Residents making between $203,000 and $682,000 annually, defined by the state as the upper class, paid approximately 9.9% of their income in taxes. And residents making more than $682,000 annually, these are the wealthiest in our state, right? The 1% paid about 7.4% of their income in taxes. So put simply, Connecticut's tax system primarily benefits the top 1%. And we think this is wrong. This was wrong pre-pandemic. And it's morally reprehensible when you consider that because of the pandemic, roughly 21% of us are facing the likelihood of eviction or foreclosure in the next two months. 27% um, are having difficulty paying uh, for household expenses, and 31% expect someone in their household to have a loss in employment income in the next four weeks. Wow. Those are staggering and stunning numbers. So following up on that, and Emily, I, you actually just um, anticipated our question, um, and you made the case quite um, eloquently that, that our, our current tax system in the state is clearly not only unfair, but unsustainable if we want to protect and actually build and maintain a middle class, um, something that certainly um, our union cares about. Uh, in, in your view, in the, in, in the view of Connecticut Voices, what are some ways we can create a fair tax system that provides relief for working families, especially those impacted by COVID, um, many of whom I should add are women and people of color, and many of whom quite frankly, have yet to bounce back from the Great Recession of 2008, which was uh, over 12 years ago. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, so in partnership with um, an array of stakeholders and coalitions, we're calling for a restructuring of Connecticut's tax system so that it's fair and works for everyone. Um, ultimately, this requires the state to do two things simultaneously, one of which is to increase taxes on the wealthy, and the other is to decrease taxes on the working and middle class. Uh, specifically, we're calling on the state legislature to consider an array of options. The first would raise the income tax on those who earn on an annual basis over $500,000 individually and $1 million jointly by just one or two percentage points. This is a level on par with neighboring states, uh, i.e. New Jersey and New York, and could generate anywhere from $500 million to $1 billion annually. 
If the General Assembly created an additional tax bracket for residents earning over $1 million individually and $2 million jointly, this could bring in additional $720 million annually. The other revenue generating policies include three wealth taxes. Uh, the first is an expansion of Connecticut's estate and gift tax. The second is a surcharge or temporary uh, increased tax on investment income. And the third is the creation of a statewide mansion tax. These taxes would apply to those fortunate enough to be doing, quite frankly, very well during what is for most of us an incredibly challenging economic time um, and raise between $606 million to over $1 billion annually. Uh, this is money that the state desperately needs to not only fund essential services and supports um, during the pandemic, but also fund equitable policies beyond the pandemic that support the most marginalized and historically disenfranchised residents among us. Um, but I want to be really clear about something. Uh, a, tax a tax restructure doesn't just mean raising taxes on the wealthy. It also means lowering taxes on the working and middle class. So we're offering three ways to do this. Um, the first is by expanding the state's earned income tax credit, which would reduce taxes for families making up to $56,844 annually. The second is by expanding the state's property tax credit, which would reduce taxes for individuals earning less than an annual amount of $219,000 and $261,000 jointly. And the third is creating a state child tax credit which would reduce taxes for working class, middle class, and even a portion of Connecticut's upper class families. These tax credits or tax breaks, whatever you wanna call them, would benefit hardworking families in Connecticut and support the state's economy. In fact, a $1 tax cut in the form of an earned income tax credit and a $1 tax cut in the form of a child tax credit is proven to have an overall effect on economic output equal to $1.24 and $1.38 respectively, making these effective policies to increase family economic security as well as stimulate economic growth. And this economic stimulus is even greater during a recession. You know, the fact of the matter is that the folks we're saying uh, deserve a tax cut, right? The working and middle class comparatively spend more during a recession, whereas the wealthy have a marginal propensity to spend. So this means that during a recession, providing tax relief to working middle-class residents economically pays off for the state. Um, and this underscores even further the need, especially during this pandemic-induced recession, for the state to enact these policies because they keep money in the pockets of hardworking residents, which allows them to spend more within localities at places like small businesses. And this ultimately benefits our broader state economy. Yeah. Well said. Um, you mentioned before that um, the wealthy, you know, have they, they've been allowed to endure the pandemic um, better than anyone. And we've seen, um, you know, the amount of billionaires and millionaires in Connecticut increase um, since 2010. They've even amassed even more wealth during the pandemic. Um, but a lot of people, including the uh, governor, Lamont, Say that if we tax these uh, wealthy people in the state, that they will leave. Um, how would you respond to these claims? Yeah, you know, I, the pandemic has shown us, uh, in the most simplistic terms, um, if the most marginalized among us aren't doing well, then we, and as a result, the economy, 
aren't doing well. Uh, and that's why the economy can only be working well if the systems and structures change so that they're equitable, um, so that they're fair and so that they work for everyone. Uh, I know skeptics often voice concerns about outmigration of millionaires, um, but there's no evidence to suggest this would occur. Uh, what we should be concerned about is the outmigration of working and middle-class families in Connecticut making less than $200,000 a year because we know from research conducted by the U.S. Department of Internal Revenue Service that they make up 85% of outmigrants. So what the legislature really needs to enact are policies that support and lift up the working and middle class in the state. You know, continuing with the status quo only reinforces the notion that we don't care about hardworking families in Connecticut, and that's wrong. Uh, after decades of argu and arguably centuries of policies that have proven that the vast majority of politicians only care about a small percentage of the population, the most privileged in the state and country, I, I think we can all agree that the systems aren't working for the 99% of us who are working as hard as we can just to make ends meet. Um, you know, for far too long, working in middle-class families in Connecticut uh, have been shouldering a higher effective tax rate with very little reward. And during this pandemic, uh, with out-of-control healthcare costs and childcare costs, uh, folks are really hurting and, and worried they won't be able to afford uh, necessities like food and housing. Um, you know, an increase in the state earned income tax credit and the creation of a state child tax credit are the types of policies that provide uh, financial opportunities for children and families and fulfill the promise that working hard and playing by the rules pays off. Um, you know, we know, right, that hardworking families are the backbone of our economy. And as the state, uh, and as a state, you know, we need to start respecting them for the value they've always brought. And now as a result of the pandemic, see in real time. Um, if Connecticut wants to make Connecticut a state where families stay and thrive, we have to ensure it's affordable. Emily, uh, our guest actually, you're listening to Council for Unplugged. Uh, I'm Larry Dorman with Renee Hamill and our special guest is Emily Byrne and she is the Executive Director of Connecticut Voices in uh, New Haven and Advocacy Group, group doing some tremendous uh, research uh, uh, and uh, public policy uh, advocacy. So I wanna thank Emily for being with us. I am following up on that question, and obviously we, everything we're talking about ties into um, wage and wealth inequality and COVID-19. So uh, this is another kind of COVID-19 driven question, Emily. Um, uh, the, the pandemic has shown the impact of, of austerity on our state and local government, on education, on our public health systems. All of that's a, a result of years of, of underinvestment and uh, service cuts. And on top of this, the, the latest we've heard is that the state is projecting deficits of two and a half billion dollars or perhaps more over the next biennium. You might be able to update me on those numbers, Emily. How would a fair tax system help reverse the, the negative impact of, of austerity cuts in the austerity approach to budgeting and, and how would a fair tax system improve investments in public services and in our communities? Easy question. Yeah, right. Um, so uh, the state and country are in a recession. Um, and for the folks who may not know, a, a recession is the term for a decrease in general economic activity over a period of two to 12 months. Um, 
it basically means that economic activity is significantly slowing down or even coming to a halt. When people aren't buying things and don't have money to buy things or produce things for a long period of time, uh, that usually leads to layoffs, business closures, and unemployment. It, it means that people make less money, um, income goes down, and the stock market sometimes, though not always, declines. Uh, in addition and due to the fiscal ramifications, recessions have long-term impacts on public health, life expectancy, and more. Um, it's why we worry about them. Uh, it's also why when they hit us, governments typically respond quickly by trying to quote-unquote stimulate economic activity. Um, you know, I think that the Great Recession of 2007 to 2009 is the most recent memory people have when we use the term. I know it's been a while, but uh, what should have been done 12 years ago, um, and, and that is to dramatically protect housing jobs and more, wasn't. Uh, instead, if you'll recall, much of the government response focused on banks and industry bailouts, and as a result, the racial income and wealth gaps widened further. Um, people lost their homes and became even more weighed down with debt. And rather than spending directly to help people, um, governments responded by cutting spending an approach called austerity. Um, which you raised, right? And, and I want to take a moment to explain why austerity um, is bad policy, especially during a recession. Uh, and there are three main reasons worth pointing out. The first um, being that austerity arguments are fundamentally rooted in racism, and so are the policy choices they justify. Ultimately, uh, austerity, austerity policies disproportionately impact Black, Brown, and other communities of color. Uh, who stand to lose the most from premature spending cuts. The politics of austerity are inextricable from anti-Blackness and the racialized myths about Black people and particularly Black women that have been used to justify decades of cuts to vital public services. Um, second, the failure of austerity responses during the Great Recession of 2007 to 2009 showed that, especially in an economic crisis, the gravest danger lies in spending too little. Recession-era austerity measures kept um, the U.S. and the Connecticut economy in a quote-unquote permanent recession in the form of lost jobs, wages, and savings that have never really returned. And so austerity in the midst of or the aftermath of the pandemic risks driving us into a full-blown depression. Lastly, the public doesn't support austerity. Um, by wide and bipartisan margins, the public is largely opposed uh, to budget and service cuts. And if given the option, uh, the public really prefers to invest in the economy rather than lower the deficit. Uh, during this crisis in particular, um, polling has been done to indicate that the general public understands just how much more people stand to suffer um, if the government response isn't bold enough. Um, you know, we're in the midst of a pandemic-induced recession that economists say will last for well over a decade. And so we should be doing everything we can in terms of giving the recession a knockout punch. Um, scientists and economists will tell you that we can't fight the pandemic or the recession uh, with austerity. Um, you know, what's more, we've got looming budget deficits, um, uh, you know, for the next three years, We've got a bankrupt transportation fund. We've got pension payments due. We've got increases in the education cost share grant. 
to say nothing of the fact that the state should be enacting and funding equitable policies that advance racial justice now and in the future. Uh, and these things can't happen um, if we just maintain uh, or even worse, reduce budget spending. And so the state really is running out of options when it comes to the question of whether or not to raise revenue. You know, I, I think um, I think it's worth pointing out that there's a lot of talk about federal dollars coming to Connecticut. Um, and it's looking more and more likely that Congress will pass another substantial relief package. And and truly, that's great. Um, you know, I think uh, Congress understands um, that, that this is what is needed. Um, but I'll say that federal dollars and spending down the rainy day fund will only temporarily help this year's budget. Uh, it, it won't erase the debt we have and it won't help fund ongoing essential supports and services in the years uh, to come. Yeah, it's, it's clear that um, we're at a point in time right now where we really need to do something about this, um, you know, because we're still living through the impacts of the recession and the economic inequalities in Connecticut will continue to um, be a greater gap, um, especially because of COVID. And like you said, there are dramatic long-term impacts by that. Um, so now is the time for us to do better and right by working families who sacrifice so much for our state. And Council 4, we're a part of a Recovery for All Coalition. It's a group of organizations that range from labor, community, faith-based, and nonprofits. And we have 33 legislative champions who've committed to ensuring a fair tax system. Um, you know, we want to, our members, um, you know, our 30,000 members in Connecticut to be involved in this fight. How do you think we can encourage our members to be involved to create a fair tax system that works for everyone and not just the privileged few? Mm. So I actually think the two of you, along with the organizers within Council 4, are the experts here. So I'm going to defer to you all. Um, but I, I will say this. I, I'm, you know, I'm worried that we're sweeping under, you know, our problems under the rug a little bit too cavalierly. Um, so now really is the time for, for action. Um, and so I'm excited to hear that, that um you know, so much effort is is occurring. Um, you know, it's 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 easier not to do anything on tax reform, right? Uh, but the impact on future generations to fix the mistakes of our parents and grandparents could cripple us as a state for a period far greater than the alternative. Um, and so, I think we should be very careful about the intentional choices we're making now, and know that these choices have. Uh, ramifications, right? Big problems require big solutions, and this moment requires lawmakers um, coming together and doing what's right, even if it's politically unpopular. Um, tax reform is the right thing to do. It's also the necessary thing to do uh, if we care about the future of our state. Uh, and I think it's um, important for all of us to remind uh, the lawmakers who are opposed to tax reform that because our existing tax system places a dis disproportionate tax burden on working middle-class families, maintaining the status quo or doing nothing contributes to economic injustice. Like all legislative sessions, uh, lawmakers will have to make difficult decisions this year. And I know that folks are doing uh, the best they can to try to balance everyone's needs, but I certainly hope that folks do right by hardworking uh, families who have sacrificed so much for the state and who really need lawmakers uh, to step up and do the right thing and enact tax reform. 
Um, we should want to make Connecticut uh, a desirable place for all residents. Um, and I think most lawmakers would say uh, that they want Connecticut to be a state where families uh, can stay and thrive. But the hard truth is that for this to happen, um, we have to ensure it's affordable uh, for the working and middle class. Um, you know, tax reform is is a good first step to ensuring Connecticut rewards hardworking residents and families, uh, and it makes it just a little bit easier for the many who are really, um, you know, the backbone of our economy. Well said, Emily. Well said. Um, you have been listening to Council Four. Unplugged, the union podcast of AFSCME Council 4. I want to thank our guest, Emily Byrne, the executive director of Connecticut Voices, which is based in New Haven. Uh, strongly urge you to check out their website at ctvoices.org. Emily, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Larry and Renee. And I want to thank my colleagues at Council 4, Renee Hamill, who co-hosts this show, and Johnny Daly, who engineers it. Uh, Thanks to all of you out there for listening. We'll see you soon. And remember, you have been unplugged. As always, thanks for listening to our Council 4 Unplugged podcast. You can find us on all major social platforms by searching for Council 4 AFSCME. Our website is council4.org. My name's Larry Dorman, and you've been unplugged.